The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. better get healthy and help animals welcome to main street vegan with your host victoria moran one of the great memories i have of homeschooling my daughter was those times when i learned something when she was studying buddhism a line in a video she was watching jumped out at me it said one way to describe enlightenment is to be at perfect peace with change i remember thinking that means i'm even farther from enlightenment than i thought well all these years later i am called upon to flow with an unexpected change, and that is that Unity Online Radio is ceasing operation after 15 years, and the Main Street Vegan program has been part of that weekly lineup for the past 10 years. It was my plan to spend the next three months featuring extraordinary healers, animal rights heroes, and important spiritual leaders to celebrate our decade of broadcasting and podcasting, but We don't have three months, only three episodes, and it is my hope that you find each one enlightening. Hi, everybody. I am Victoria Moran, welcoming you to the 473rd episode of the Main Street Vegan Podcast, and my guest today is, luckily enough, one of those spiritual leaders in the world of veganism and beyond. He is Monk Coleman, author of one of my current and probably going to be all-time favorite books, Love Over Fear, A Guide to Peace and Purpose. Monk has an incredible backstory, a story of spiritual awakening, which included awakening to veganism. He's also a former champion bodybuilder. He is a motivational speaker, and he works with people around the world to open their hearts to greater love and greater life. Welcome, Monk Coleman. Thank you so much for having me. It seems like we don't talk so much in the last few weeks. 
It's really funny. We had some technical difficulties when I was trying to do this without the lovely Jeff Comfort, our fabulous Unity engineer, who is with us today to make sure that everything goes smoothly. But I also think, Monk, given who you are and how you and I see the world, that there's just some reason that instead of just talking once, we're kind of talking two and a half times because uh, that sharing is important. So I'm ready to hear your story all over again. Yeah, so interesting. Um, when you say you're you're further from awakening, uh, you know, farther than you thought, I always say like the awakening process never ceases. There's only a few people that I think that ever have been here that were truly awakened, uh, masters or, or, or sages or whatever you want to call them. But yeah, so I'm still on my awakening process um, every day trying to become more and more awake or allowing myself to become more and more awake through what I do every day. But um, yeah, so my backstory is, which you know well by now, I was born uh, into a very uh, poor and dysfunctional situation. There were seven of us and my mom, uh, no male role model in the house ever. And my dad passed away when I was about three and a half, I believe. Um, My mom wasn't very educated, but She was a miracle worker because we all survived. We all made it through. We all had food to eat. We never went hungry. Um, But I had a lot of issues with the way I was brought up. And it it translated over into into my uh, adult life. I didn't know it really was translating into my adult life, but it was. But So when I was younger, I had a real, let's say, five years old, six years old, I had an anger issue. I had an anger problem. And I don't know if that was uh, from my dad passing away or whatever, but I had um, anger issues. So we were made to go to church every day. And I had these anger issues and I used to steal and fight and do things like that at a very young age until I got to the point where at church, I understood the repercussions. I understood the punishment for acting the way I was acting. And I straightened up my act. And most people will say, well, that's great. You know, you straightened up your act. You started to act and you started to behave. Um, But I did it out of fear. So I changed my ways because I was afraid of what was going to happen if I didn't. But eventually I was fully on board. Initially it was out of fear and then it was out of indoctrination. So as I started to get older, I wanted the message that I was hearing in church. I wanted to help save other people as well and 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 give them this fear based story so they would change like I changed. So I got to the point when I started to develop is, you know, turn into a grown up and I started to have these feelings for the opposite sex. Some of the rules that were put in place at the church I just really couldn't go by anymore. So I figured if I'm going to break one of these laws, I'm going to go to hell. So I might as well break them all. So I went from being a church dude into selling crack within a year and a half time period. Not only selling drugs, but drinking and being violent and everything that comes with that lifestyle. So I was living out the programs. Like I said, I was programmed at home with the church, but also seeing dysfunction at the house. I lived out the church. 
Now I'm living out that other part of that dysfunction. And I did this for a long, long, long time. Uh, I had a couple of times where I knew I was going to go to prison and it didn't happen. Uh, they missed the drugs. They missed the gun, whatever that was, they missed it. And I thought I was being, you know, I thought I was dodging bullets and I was being, uh, having some good luck. But I think really taking that trip to prison, because everybody else I know that I used to hang around with, everybody went. I thought maybe it would give me some time to reflect, looking back on it now, instead of instead of avoiding prison and being in my own prison within my own self. So they were in there taking a break from this lifestyle, and I was outside still drinking every day, still partying every day, still taking all these chances every day. So looking back, I thought maybe that would have been something good for me. But going forward, all this lifestyle really started to progress. And I started to drink more and more and more. And I used to go out more and more and more. And I had to move locations from where I was because I didn't want to go to prison. And everybody I know was going to prison. So I just changed locations. And I kind of almost changed my identity a little bit as well, because now I'm just I'm I'm not messing with the hard drugs. I'm just uh, selling weed at this point when I come to Oakland and I turn into uh, like a party guy. I'm, I'm, I'm the weed guy. I'm the party guy. I, I hang out at the bars. I drink, I go to clubs and that's what I do. But this whole time I was searching for something and I was trying everything. And I know this is going to resonate with a lot of people because once we try something and it doesn't seem to work, we try something else and we just keep chasing this feeling, the feeling that we want to have that peace, that fulfillment, whatever that is. In every aspect of my life, I was chasing. And it seems like society is, is just this way. You know, you have this these boxes that you want to check off. And in the end, we all want the same thing. We all want peace. We all want satisfaction. We all want fulfillment. We want to have that sense of, I'm good now. But it, it can never come with anything external. So you go from one thing to one partner to the next, one job to the next, one drug to the next, thinking it's all going to get you this feeling. Making enough money is going to give me this feeling. We're trying to get things because we think it's going to create a feeling within us. It's going to be like I'm whole now, not knowing that we're already whole. Everything we do externally that we do in our life, we're trying to chase this feeling. We're trying to catch this feeling even though we take different routes to get there. So it got, you, oh, sorry. I, when you were talking about when you were in the church and you shaped up out of fear, I just heard a story of Mahatma Gandhi that when he was living in South Africa and a Christian missionary was trying to change him and told him that if he would accept Jesus as his savior, then he would be forgiven of his sins. And Gandhi said, I don't want to be forgiven of the consequences of my sins. I want to not want to sin. And I'm sure that's what really all the religions are saying. But I love that difference in concept. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what you're talking about with the love and the fear. So please continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, my apologies. No. Tom, you need to interject. Just, just go ahead. <laughs> but I think as human beings, we all want the same thing. But we just think different things are going to get it for us. Um. And at, at the end of the day, we, you know, we, we know that it's all inner work that gives us that feeling that we're looking for. And we don't have to search for it. It's already there. We have to connect with it. 
we have to access that. And doing these different practices that I started doing, and I'll get to that, helped me to access that and helped me to change out the program that I was running on beforehand. Yeah. So, so what happened? <laughs> that, being that party guy, I didn't think it was really affecting me the way it was affecting me in, in my late 30s. Um, I went to uh, on vacation and I was still doing my thing. And I looked healthy, um, but I wasn't healthy. So I was going to the gym. I was in, looked like I was in great shape and uh, from, from outside appearances. But I went to Miami, woke up the first day after being there, partying all night. And then I was urinating blood the next day. So this is when things started to get real. So this is the, the, the beginning of the end of my old life. It was almost the ending of my physical life. So at that point now, for the rest of the week, I'm in Miami. I'm just tripping. I'm just in my head because I'm already depressed. I'm already anxious. Alcohol was my crutch. It made me feel better. Now I know right now, this moment, this would not be a great idea to just continue on drinking throughout this week. So I just kind of just, just hung out and just was really internalizing everything. What am I going to do when, when I get back home to the Bay Area? And then I got back home and I, I thought, okay, maybe it's okay now. And I continued on with the, the same behavior and with the same results. And then one day after a party, I said, you know, I really have to, to ask myself, do I want to be here or not? Because if I continue, I won't be here. I guarantee it. And I said, you know, I wanted to be here. By this time, I had several children. And obviously, when you're living a certain life, you're not the best father. I'm not going to say I was a bad father, but I'm going to say, you know, my children were in different areas. Um, I talked to them on a regular basis. I was the best father I could be with what I was working with at that time. So when I just had my last child and I was like, I got to be here. I got to be here. I got to figure this thing out. So for about a year, I just smoked cigarettes and was very anxious and felt like the victim because why did I have to, why did my crutch have to be taken away, right? This, this alcohol created my whole personality or it brought that personality out of me. I believe anytime we feel a certain way or act a certain way, I believe it's in us, but sometimes it takes something to bring that out. And for me, it, it brought that out of me, but there's always a price to pay on the back end when you use something as a catalyst to get something else. If you're using drugs to, to, to create a feeling, you're going to have to pay for that on the back end. In the microcosm, it's the first, the hangover that you get from drinking. And then in the macro, it's the long-term effects that it has on you. So now I, all that is gone. And that's, you know, over two decades of using it and being comfortable with it. And it was my go-to. I could always go to that no matter what. It was really like my best friend at the time. Um, So after that happened, like I said, it was about a year and I'm still like, man, this is tough, but I'm doing it. I didn't even, seeking out like a AA or anything like that didn't even cross my mind. Like it wasn't even, didn't even think about it not one time. I was like, I'm going to do this on my own and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to try. So about a year in, aware, uh, meditation came into my awareness, and I didn't know, at the time, I didn't know how that could even happen because I never even thought about it.
but it did. Maybe I saw something on TV or I don't know what happened. And I don't know. I don't remember why I went there, but I started to look, look that up. Like, how do you do it? And uh, what I looked up, it was like, basically, you know, just get still, see what comes up. Just watch it. Like be the watcher is basically the, the, the message I got when I looked it up and I said, okay, well, let me try that. So at first I used to go into the bathroom and I just lock myself in the bathroom and stay in there. And at first it was short, short periods, 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes at the most. And I can continue to do that consistently day after day. I might've missed a day here or there, but I just noticed when I, when I was consistent, it was a little bit of a lighter day, a little bit of a better day, I would say. And I come to realize if you do something that makes your day better, it will ultimately make your life better. If you do something every day to make that day better, because we're only living moment to moment. So what are we doing with those moments? Those moments can create better moments and so on and so forth. So I really became consistent. And what I didn't know what was going to happen was that old program. See, I didn't know about the subconscious mind, the conscious mind, the super conscious mind or the God conscious mind. I didn't know any of these things. I didn't know that your reality was created by the subconscious program. And if I would have known that, I would have looked back like, whoa, okay, I see it now. But when you don't see it, you don't see it. I always say when you're in the water, you don't know you're wet. You're feeling <laughs> You're fully submerged. There's, there's no, you can't see the separation. You just think it's life. Um, and I just wrote a piece about depression. And it's like, when you don't know that you're living in a certain situation, when you don't know you're depressed, when your life always looks a certain way, how can you even compare it to anything? You just think it's life. Like when you, when you don't know you can feel better, you just think that's what it is. And I think this is really the problem with a lot of people. They don't know how, if you, if you don't know what a healthy relationship feels like, if you've always had the same type of relationships, how do you know you're in a bad one? So how do I know I'm in a bad program? If this is the program I was always running with, I just maybe thought life sucked. I didn't know it could get better. So going forward, it started to change out that old program for a new program. And I didn't, know what was happening at the time, but I started to feel different. And I then started, when did the vegan thing come in? I'm getting there. So I started, okay. I started to feel different and I started to feel different about myself. And I started to feel different about other people. I started to have more compassion and I was being, I became more empathetic. So about three years into to that, I'm sitting there eating and I'm eating at a restaurant. It's a meat-based restaurant, but they had uh, one vegetarian thing on there and there's a vegetarian omelet. And I ordered that and I didn't order any type of meat with it. And my friend goes, are you a vegetarian? And it, I just said, yes. So this is when I became a vegetarian and I didn't know why. And I thought it was really odd, but I knew I wasn't going to eat meat anymore. So this is the subconscious that I was talking about. This is what brought that up and that answer out of me, brought it to my conscious awareness, which then I acted on that thought. Yes, I am a, a vegetarian. So after that encounter, I went outside and I started Googling stuff because I knew I wasn't going to eat meat anymore. So I started Googling. At this point, I'm three years sober. 
And I said, I Googled bodybuilding vegetarian. And then I also Googled, why did I answer the question that way? Because it was kind of mind blowing to me. It was like someone else answered that question. And it was so weird to me that like, why did I say that? But why do I know it's still true? So what it said basically was, I was making a connection. So the story that I had created or was created for me that I, I, I said yes to was now beginning to crumble. And the boxes that were I had everything in began to fall apart. So now instead of just making a connection to the animals we feel that are important, I was making a connection to all living beings that had ability to suffer. And I was ready to make that next step. So once I read that, I was like, okay, that makes sense because I couldn't kill an animal anyways. Even when I was eating meat, I couldn't actually, if you said, you know, go kill this cow or you don't get a hamburger, I'm just not going to eat a hamburger. So inside, I already knew that it wasn't aligning with my spirit. I was just so disconnected from it that it didn't matter. I didn't see the process when it came to the table. It didn't look like anything. And I was conditioned to eat this way. So now I was making this other connection. And then from that point on, I was just like, okay, eggs is just eggs. No harm done there. Milk is just milk. No harm done there. And then I seen a video on both of those things. And immediately, like mind blown, right? I, I was like, wow. Like I, did, I didn't know. They, they, they do such a great job keeping all this information from us that they want you to remain in the matrix on all different levels right they don't want you to know about the food system they don't want you to know about your connection to a, the, the a higher source they want to dumb you down with what they give you they want to keep you drunk and eating bad food and fluoride in your water and everything else they do to keep you from not connecting to that higher self and really really doing what you came here to do so now my mind is blown and i was like this is crazy and then i was like and then the further down the rabbit hole. Oh, the clothes. I'm wearing skin right now. Oh, the clothes. I never even thought about it. Never in a million years did I think about it. Now I'm my, it's, I'm, my eyes are wide open. Now I'm seeing it everywhere. So I got rid of all my clothes. <laughs> yeah, I got rid of all my shoes. I put them in a trunk, took them down to this, uh, my old neighborhood in Oakland and me and my wife, handed out bananas, oranges, and I gave everything away. And that's when I was like, yeah, there ain't no turning back on this. I mean, this is crazy. And but, were you actively bodybuilding at this time? No, no. Was I didn't, that going to come, was that before or later? That was later. I was in okay. the gym. So I was, I was lifting weights. And I was doing my thing. But I didn't start competing until I was 46. As a vegan? As a vegan. Wow. Yeah. So I, I stopped eating meat at 42, I believe. Right. Because it'd be, yeah, so I'm 52, 10 years ago, about 10 years ago. And I didn't compete until I was 46. And you're a three time champion, three time yeah, yeah. national natural bodybuilding champion. <laughs> I love it when, when people will say, yeah, those athletes, they built the muscle before. No, they didn't. They built it and did it. <laughs> All on the plants. That's yeah, so um, great. We on, on well, she used to be on our the team that I'm sponsored by. She was vegan from birth. Mm. Uh Jahina, and she is 
ripped and got sized. So, I mean, we all know, we all know that the biggest, strongest, oldest animals on the planet don't eat meat. So how right. is it? It's just like, it's common sense, but they don't want us to, to think like that. They want us to think that, you know, the more meat, the better, because the industry is the one that's pushing these narratives. Right. So what advice would you give to somebody? And I'm noticing we only have three minutes so we can carry this over into the second section, but somebody who might be listening, who's got an addiction going on, or they're just like, oh my gosh, I can never stop eating meat. What would you say to them? You got, you have to learn yourself, right? You can't look at something and say, this is something that I need to change. The change has to come from within. It can't be a surface change. And this is why so many people cannot stick to the script when it comes to getting in shape or changing their diet or whatever. The reason why they're doing it, you have to be transformed, like literally transformed. You have to let go of that old story completely and align with who you really are. And, and if you do that, then your life, you're gonna love is gonna your life is gonna look like love for yourself and for others. Your so, life can look like love and you don't even have to be born as a canine. <laughs> that's right. I'm, I'm just saying, when your life looks like love, everything you do is going to look like that. So your diet's going to look like love, like how you treat people, how you treat yourself, right? It, everything is going to be like, you don't want to harm or hurt anyone, even on an emotional level, because you're living from this loving place. So everything, is, you're so conscious about what you say and what you do and how you treat yourself and others, your life is just going to naturally gravitate that way. Wow, that is really beautiful. So let's just pause here. I'm going to make a couple of announcements that I would have made afterwards, just so that we'll be right with the timing. You know, with only three episodes left, and so many wonderful people will, were scheduled with their wonderful books. So, of course, I hope everybody runs right out and buys Love Over Fear by Monk Coleman, who is also known as Monk Eternal. That's where you'll find him online. But I wanted to recommend a couple of other books of people who would have been on the show uh, if the show were going to last longer. And one of those is The Chakra cookbook by Annika Panatsky. And one reason I love this is because 10 years ago, if there had been a chakra cookbook, it wouldn't have been vegan. It would have probably been vegetarian. But the idea that veganism is now getting in there in the yoga world and all these other places and the recipes are gorgeous. So if you or somebody on your gift list uh, is into yoga and chakras and things, let them know about this. And also 101 Ways to Be Young at Any Age by Bob and Fran Gurman. They have really big YouTube presence on the Platt-based network on YouTube, and they're just delightful. They're in their 80s, and you would think they were 18. So we'll put all that information, of course, about Monk Coleman, Monk Eternal, uh, on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net and the information about these other books, too. And right now, listen to these messages, please, and be enlightened by Unity Online Radio. We'll be right back. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, 
a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to my wonderful conversation with Monk Coleman. And let me tell you where you can find him. You can also look this up later over at MainStreetVegan.net in our show notes. There'll be all kinds of information about our guest and his wonderful book, Love Over Fear. Monk's website is MonkEternal.com. He is Monk Eternal on Facebook at monk underscore eternal on Instagram. And we'll put all the other URLs over there on MainStreetVegan.net in the show notes. So traditionally at this time, I'd like to fill you in on what's happening in the world of Main Street Vegan. And so I'll do that really fast because I want to let you know Main Street Vegan is not going anywhere. And at MainStreetVegan.net, we're going to put all 475 fabulous archival episodes of 10 years of podcasting through Unity Online Radio. So when you can't find it at Unity anymore or you can't find it on the podcast apps, these episodes will all be at MainStreetVegan.net. And people are saying, are you going to go somewhere else? Are you going to have another podcast? Are you going to continue this podcast? Not sure yet. Because after 10 years, once a week, I think a little rest is in order, but something else will come up. And if you want to know what that is, please be sure that you are subscribing to the Main Street Vegan newsletter and blog, which you can do by going to MainStreetVegan.net and just scroll down to the box that says, do you want to be a Main Street Vegan? And then we can stay in touch. And also Main Street Vegan Academy, where you can train as an expert on all things vegan and be certified as a VLCE, Vegan Lifestyle Coach and Educator, um, is continuing and thriving. And we have 570 graduates now in 32 countries on six continents. And as a listener to this podcast, I do want you to have a discount code for tuition. So Write this down somewhere because the time will come when you very well might want to come to Main Street Vegan Academy and you can use the discount code KINDNESS20, KINDNESS with a capital K, and that'll save you something like 240 bucks, 250 something like that on your tuition. And finally, last thing I'm going to say, one more book I wanted to mention because the author was going to be on the show. It's called Meet Me Halfway, and the meat is spelled M-E-A-T, and that's by Brian Cateman. You know him as the uh, editor of The Reducitarian Solution, and this is a great gift for the person in your life who absolutely 
positively is not going to go vegan, or so they say, but they might commit to a cutback of their animal product consumption. And that might be a wonderful start to Oh, gosh, a whole new life, uh, like we're hearing about today from our wonderful guest, Monk Coleman. So we're going to be continuing. So, Monk, talk to us about the world as you look out there, you know, and you see we got war and we got people unable to have conversations with each other. So you've got this beautiful, calm inner presence. And then we all have to go out in this world of tumult and upset. What do you do with that? Well, I think it's so important that every morning we prepare ourselves for that. Um, for me, it's, it's going through meditation and gratitude and affirming what I want from the day. I think too many of us just get up and go out of the house and run into the madness and are not prepared. So when you know something might be a possibility and you're prepared for that, then you know how to respond to that. You're not reactive. And that's so huge. And that's another thing that meditation uh, has done for me is it, it's given me space between a reaction and a response. If you just have a little bit of space before responding to somebody or a situation, it's going to turn out the best for you. But most of us are very reactive. So if something hits us, it comes at us and it hits us uh, when we're not ready for it, we just react to whatever that is. And usually the outcome is not going to be good, like road rage or, you know, getting into an argument with somebody. So just prepare yourself, connect to yourself before leaving the house, get your energy right, and then go out into the world. Because when we have our energy right, we're going to attract energy. I rarely have any issues going out into the world where before, back in the day, I would have, uh, because of my own energy, attract certain situations. Um, I, li- I literally had to pull a gun out on somebody on, in the, on the freeway back in the day because they were riding in front of me, hitting brakes and trying to make me wreck. So this is the type of energy I was attracting. I didn't even know this person. So to, to really be responsible for what energy that you take out of the house, you bring out of the house, it's going to dictate what energy that you're going to see when you get out there. And it's not 100%, but most of the time it's like when, you feel, when you're feeling good, usually you don't have those negative things happen to you if you're in a good space. You attract that smile from a stranger. You attract them, those conversations from strangers. So really to... to Create a practice for yourself to be intentional before you leave the house. And as far as watching the news and anything like that, I don't do it. Um, this is just to get your vibration down. It's, it's, a, it's, it's to get your frequency down. It's, it makes you susceptible to things that are going on in the world emotionally, right? It's just trying to get you to a low state. I don't watch that. And everybody, you know, people say, well, how do you stay informed? Well, first of all, who's informing you? Who's giving you this news? And what is their ag- agenda? Informed, how, wh- who, who do I go to to get the truth about this thing? Right? You got the people on the left saying, well, it's the left that's giving you the truth. You got the people on the right saying, it's the right that's giving you the truth. 
the truth is neither one of them is giving you the truth, only tiny bits and pieces. But the way they want you to react emotionally is what the key is. If they can get you in a state of fear and panic and, and division as far as choosing sides, they can do whatever they want to to you. So I really remove myself from anything like that. And if I can't make a difference, why am I watching this? If I can't make a difference, if I can't change this situation, whatever they're talking about, what good is it to watch this and be in that emotional, low vibrational state? What good is it doing me to me and everybody around me? Wow. So, so why are we watching it if we can't do anything about it? We're addicted to, to, to drama. We're addicted to this stuff. We're addicted to violence. We're addicted to bad news. So they keep feeding us what we're addicted to. They got us addicted to it. And now they're going to give us our fix every single day. And I used to be fully in and not that many years ago. And I was thinking it wasn't affecting me. But every time something would come up, I would get a, a feeling in my gut. Which I was like, this, this doesn't feel good. I, start, I would start to judge people because of the story that someone told me. And that's no good. Because the story they're telling me, how much truth is in it? So at this point in my life, anything that causes division, I don't want it. And I don't care what it is. Even in the vegan community, if you're going to be bashing people because they're in a place that you used to be in at one point, I'm not okay with that. I believe giving them information and from a loving place and an understanding place is going to more likely have positive results. They're going to want to know more. And I've had people tell this to me, like, yeah, you talk about it, but you don't talk about it in a way like, like telling me I need to do it. I'm just giving information. That's all I'm doing. Have you ever, have you ever thought about it like this? Have you ever thought about it like that? You know, have you ever, and and it'll go from, you know, your life experience to what we eat. It's not just about veganism. It's like, have you ever thought about why you do the things you do? Why you are the religion you are? Why do you eat the way you eat? Why do you, do you react in certain ways when it comes to relationships? Well, if you don't know that you are a program, then you're going to be that program. And that's, this is why we act the way we do. If I took you in the same body, same DNA, and put you in a different situation growing up, your beliefs about life would be completely different with the same DNA. Yeah. If you grew up in foster care, well, how you view life will be completely different in the same DNA than if you had a solid mother, father foundation and were supported your views on life would be completely different in the same DNA. So that's telling you your truth is created for you. It's not something that you just show up and go, okay, this is how life is. No. Initially at first, yeah, you knew. And then you were taught something else. Now you have to unlearn, align with who that little child was because that little child knew. That little child knew. 
Can I ask you something about um, what you were talking about, our thoughts attracting our circumstances? Because you're, you're a Black man, a biracial man, and so you would know far better than I that statistically, if a police officer pulls over someone who looks like you, the reaction will probably be different than if they pulled over somebody who looked like me. So bring the thought part into it. I'm wondering if, you know, somebody might be saying, well, yeah, it's easy for you to talk about thoughts, but here's what happens in reality. So let me tell you, because I have, I definitely have my own stories about this. I have my own beliefs about this. Okay. So first of all, there has to be a narrative out there. There has to be a story, story for both parties to believe, right? So the cops, they may believe, they might believe that people that look like me commit more crime. So they have to believe that, first of all, right? They have to believe that I have a different type, I different tendencies that other people don't have. Second of all, me, I have to believe that they believe that. That has to be my belief that police are always going to mess with me every time that they see me. I have to believe that. So when I do believe that, what do you think is going to happen? Not that's, good. <laughs> that's the thought part. You're creating this by believing this story. Now, I'm going to tell you, what, and people are like, oh, that's a bunch of BS. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Now, every time I see a police officer, I don't have that gut fear feeling anymore. I don't have that they're going to pull me over thoughts that come through my mind. They're not there anymore. I actually, when I see police officers, I send them love and maybe some understanding that they might understand that everybody are individuals and everybody has their own story that they might be able to see that they might be profiling people according to the way they look. I've actually had conversations with police and I never would have conversations with police before my life changed. Never. Because they were always, you know, I was always in handcuffs. I was always this, they was always looking at me crazy. You know, if you want to believe something, you will find it. If I believe all police are this way, I will look for that in all police. If I think that all women are a certain way, this is exactly what I'm looking for in all women. And you will make it true. I will see it if I want to see it. So now that I believe that we're all from the same source, we're all that spark, that divine spark. We're all from whatever God you choose to believe in. We're all from whatever that is. So now I look at you as my brother and my sister, and I, and I don't care what occupation you have. I, I know beyond that, even if you're not aligned, right? Even if you're acting out of character, I know that that's a story. So for one, I'm not going to take it personal. So when I throw my stuff on top of your stuff, it just creates more negative stuff. But if I throw my love on top of your stuff, it can transmute that, whatever that is, that story. Love is the ultimate alchemist. Love is the only thing that can transmute anything that's dark or low, low frequency. You can't throw dirt on dirt and expect to be clean. You can't do that. It's impossible. So when I feel like I'm being attacked and I throw that same attack back on that person, we just, we just, our energies just combine and it escalates. And this is how people just get into arguments that end up becoming physical. Because I'm, I'm throwing certain energy at you, you're throwing it back at me, and we just keep going back and forth. And then before you know it, we're physically hurting each other. But what if one of those people would have, hey, 
I, I, I sincerely apologize. My bad. Do some love on that. Yeah. It quickly just dissipate. It would just disappear. Yes. That's like why. There it, used, go ahead. There used to be an old saying, like back in the 60s, what if they gave a war and nobody came? And, you know, you can think about that in terms of a lot of kind of confrontations. What, what if we just don't show up? What if we just don't engage? Yeah, you have to agree to it. You have to have a story for one. And then you have to agree to whatever they're telling you to do. So you create a story like 9-11. You create a story, get everybody emotionally involved, right? Emotions are powerful. So if you get everybody emotionally involved in directing that emotion towards one group of people, then you can go in and slaughter that group of people, whether there's kids and women and everybody else that's there. And the person that's emotionally involved will not feel anything about it. Right? So this this is what happened in 9-11, right? Get everybody so mad at a religion that anyone you kill from that religion you feel it's justified. Same thing that happened in, in World War II with Hitler. You get a story going that these people are worthless and they deserve this punishment. Then when they slaughter them, it's okay. So you have to have the emotion involved with the story and then whatever treatment is done. Just like in America, when, when you have a story about what Black people are or what they're all about, we're always portrayed negatively in news and everything else. You know, they show us looking a certain way. They don't show us as doctors and lawyers and professional people. They always show the worst uh, situations when it comes to us. So when something happens to us and the police shoot us, it's not that bad because the story they have in their head because of the story that was given to them makes it almost justified. Like, yeah, okay, it was it was bad, but it wasn't that bad because we're being brainwashed. We're being, they're giving us the story over and over and over again. So when it happens, we really don't have no feelings behind it. The only time we get feelings behind something, it is something we can identify with. So if you were to have a black child, right? Now it's different because you're totally part of this thing now. Now, when you see it, it's like, it hits you emotionally, like this is wrong. But what if you never had a Black friend? What if you never even been around Black people at all? And the stories that you're seeing on TV are that they're violent, they're this, they're that, and the other. Do you think you're going to feel anything if one gets shot in the back? No, not so much. They didn't feel anything for the Jewish people when they got slaughtered because the story was out there saying that they're not worth life. So, Monk, tell us the true story, or maybe just the truth <laughs> with a capital T. How do you look at life so that we can live it each day, denying the stories and going forward in truth? So, first of all, you got to go inside. You got to figure out who you are. That's what you got you to do. And once you figure out who you are, then what you're going to do here will be given to you. Once you align, what you're going to do here is going to be given to you. And if it doesn't look like the helping either directly or indirectly everybody on the planet, that's not your purpose. That's not your purpose. My sole purpose is to be here 
and to be of service, not only to everybody else, but also, of course, to myself. Because when I take care of myself, I'm better able to serve. So, you know, when they say in the plane, if the mask comes down, put it on yourself first, it's self-healing that needs to take place. When you start that journey, everything changes. Because when you heal, you start to become the person you are, you came here to become. And from that place, then your occupation may change, but definitely the way you treat people and others may change. And your outlook, like, what am I here for is going to change. If you're here strictly to get money and get things, you're going to have a rude awakening when you get that money and them things, and it doesn't bring you anything. And I think even, even in the Bible, when they say, you know, the, there's certain stories where they say, drop everything that you own and you're rich and come with me. Drop everything. It's like you have to not be attached to these things. These things. It's okay to have things, mm-hmm. right? But they have to have their place. Things are things. And whether they come or whether they go, it shouldn't be really that big of a deal, right? You need your basic food, shelter, you know, clothing, that stuff. But other than that, they're just things. And we put too much importance, especially in America, we put too much importance on things. Everything's things like how, what kind of clothes you got, what kind of house you got, what, what kind of clothes you wear. And I used to be there, but you know what? It seems like it's so ridiculous to me now, like a name brand, whatever. It's like, are you serious? At the end of your life, you're going to know none of this was important, but we don't want you to wait till the end of your life to know that none of this is important. And that you're chasing this your whole life. And then all of a sudden your, your life is not here anymore. And then you figure, you figure it out at the last minute. We can do that right now. We can heal right now. We can align right now. We can be that light right now. We can remove the blocks to stopping us from doing what we came here to do and really realize our, and, and really live our full potential. I was for 38 years, I was just like, just floating around. If you feel right now that even though you have everything and you seem to have everything that you ever wanted and you're not fulfilled, that means you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's all that means. It's so interesting how, you know, you come from your interesting spiritual awakening and, and I'm kind of translating it into the what I'm studying so much now in the yoga tradition and that when you talk about doing what you came here for, you know, that's what we call your Dharma. It's like your soul's assignment and you know, when you're doing it, because things go easily. And then about all the stuff, there's a word it's Lila, which translates as God's play, you know, nothing wrong with it. You know, it's cool to like go to the amusement park and ride the roller coaster, but it's, it's play. And mm-hmm. if we can just kind of get that and know what's really real, then we can just be happy on so many levels. So I'm happy that you wrote this book, Love Over Fear, A Guide to Peace and Purpose. And I would like to know in our last four minutes uh, why you wrote it and what's your favorite part? Well, uh, my favorite part, it would have to be the love section, of course. I, I just really think we're here. We're here for the soul's expansion. We're here to learn this is a school for us. And, and when, we're, when we're really a good student, 
it has to do with love because God is love in my opinion. And when you're more connected, more connected to the source, then your life is going to look like it. But the love part is of course my uh, most important because I think I, why well, me, my opinion, we are love. The only time we are not love, we don't feel love is because we're out of alignment. When we're in alignment, we, we feel love. That's our vibration. That's what we're, that's how we're rolling. But I wrote it because I listened. I wrote these 10 things down, these 10 principles. I shelved it. I was going to talk about it, but I decided not to because I've never written anything down to speak before. So I said, I can't do this. I'm just going to put this um, aside. It doesn't seem right. I want to speak from my heart. So that's what I did. But about a year later, a video came up and said, well, what are you giving your audience when you speak? And I was like, oh, those 10 things. Let me go find it. I had to search through all my books, my notebooks and stuff to find it. And I found it. And I felt so inspired. And I was like, this is it. I'm going to write a book about these 10 things. And that's how it happened. That's very cool. Well, you you jump out of the book. It's wonderful. It's like having a conversation with you. And some of these 10 things, you know, the love factor, of course, is first an attitude for gratitude, be still and know, stick with it. That's one's interesting. Give us a minute on stick with it. Stick with it is about being consistent. So if I wasn't consistent with my meditation practice, I wouldn't have evolved like I have. So anything you do, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's, and if you fall off, don't make that an excuse to, to stay off. Get back up, continue, right? When, when you start doing something, you can do one thing every day that changes your life. Do that. You miss a day, that's fine. You miss two days, that's fine. But don't make it an excuse to stop. Keep going. You have to have consistency in your life. You got to stick with whatever you started. Look, it wouldn't have came across your awareness if it wasn't there for you. You can always move, shift, and pivot. But I'm saying, when it came, it came. All our thoughts, they're not there on accident. And what we do with them and how we move with them is up to us. Cool. And what are you up to? 30 seconds. And where can we find you? Uh, MonkeyTunnel.com is the website. And I just came back from a vegan uh, street fair this weekend in L.A. And it was amazing. And um, I'm just coaching. I do transformational coaching and public speaking. And I spread love. That's what I do. I'm a professional spreader of love. That's what I do. Oh, that's lovely. You should probably put that on your tax return. And then the people at the IRS could get uplifted too. Right, 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 right. Thank you so much, Monk Coleman, Monk Eternal. And thank you, listeners. I'm just going to be thanking you all over the place the next couple of episodes because I won't get a chance in this format again. But, you know, God gives us opportunities and life gives us formats. So we'll see what's coming. And thanks one more time to Unity Online Radio and to you, the listener. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. 
Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on The Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.